Hello, everybody. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Paige. <laughs> I'm Chris. And this is Animates. And if you can't tell, the intro to our current show just played. And uh, number one, it slaps. <laughs> um, I forgot how much fun it was. But today, uh, Paige and I on Animates will be talking about... Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan Adventures. Adventures. I kind of stepped on your toes with that one. Sorry, man. It's some hot cha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, inside jokes aside. Uh, Jackie Chan Adventures is our last WB show. Uh, and very, very, very fun. Entertaining. Slightly wholesome. Pretty wholesome. Almost entirely wholesome. <laughs> Almost in, for a show that's about globe trotting, fighting crime syndicates, evil dark dragon wizards, and crime syndicates. Well, it's pretty lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um. Yeah, like I don't know. It's just like a glass of whole milk, you know. There's nothing really really dark about despite the fact that we're dealing with demons you know there's nothing that dark about it the darkest they get is i think a, a an episode you probably haven't seen where they do kind of like an alternate history if all oh of, that's pretty like actually the alternate history is pretty dark i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah it's all about human like it's all about slavery um mm -hmm. everybody's enslaved and blah 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 it's pretty bad but yeah. they, they change it and it never happened so again yeah. Even even then, we get a wholesome ending. Yeah. No. I will say, though, before we move on about the intro, the best part of the intro to Jackie Chain Adventures cannot be conveyed <laughs> in an audio format. And it's that it's mostly animated, but periodically, live-action Jackie Chan will show up to mug at the camera. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Yeah, they put him in, they put his mug in, so animated Jackie is running around, and then... Um, Jackie Chan will suddenly pop up in the place of animated Jackie Chan and he'll make exaggerated faces. And it's so... I, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's great, but also fucking ridiculous. It's incredibly cheesy. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but it works. And I think the reason it works is because we're used to seeing Jackie Chan be silly. Yeah, Jackie Chan always mugs at the camera. You know, it's like my boyfriend was laughing at, at the intro several times. Was like, you like it when he mugs, babe? And he was like, I always love it when Jackie Chan mugs. So this is, I feel like it wouldn't have worked with anybody but Jackie Chan. No, absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. The name of the show is Jackie Chan Adventures, which might lead you to believe that Jackie Chan was the one who created the show. And that's not actually the case. He's credited as having an executive producer position, but that's that's it. He doesn't even voice act his own character. I think he does get an acting credit for the title sequence and the question segments at the end of every episode. Okay, because at the beginning of every episode, he pops up as an executive producer. So I, I, I should have paid more attention. That's shame on me. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Now I have to know. <laughs> I, I'm going to I go know. research this in a little bit. 
Okay. Well, like, it's... The thing is about the show is it's really... It's pretty unclear how the show got made. Like, there's very little information about it anywhere. And, you know, Jackie Chan's, like, bio pages really have nothing to say about Jackie Chan Adventures. And the three people who are credited as creators of the show are really prolific people in the field of animation. So their Wikipedia pages are basically just really long lists of shows that they've been involved in. And so we don't really get a story of like how they had the idea for Jackie Chan adventures and how they got Jackie involved and how it was pitched. We really don't know any of that. Which for a show, I feel like this show operate like operates in a very, it's very, I feel like it's a niche, but it's, it's not people know about the show and they know that it happened but to me, it feels like in the history of cartoons, it's, it, it is a footnote, but is also a really interesting footnote. Like if you asked a bunch of people, what's your favorite cartoon? I don't think Jackie Chan adventures would come up very often, but nonetheless, uh, it's this very interesting, uh, culturally diverse show that fits well with the other animation running on WB at the time, but it itself is never the, the, the thing that people go back to and remember. And so many large showrunners worked on the show, but people surely remember the other stuff that those people have done and not Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah, it's weird. The first time I ever heard about Jackie Chan Adventures was actually when I was in college, and I knew, like, a group of dudes who really fondly remembered Jackie Chan Adventures and would occasionally watch it. And I was like, oh, apparently this was a show. And they're like, yeah, it's great. It's a great show. And and truly, the show is very solid. There are, there are some weak points, which I'm sure Paige will... Uh, okay, <laughs> let's just get it out of the way, because... God, this is the second cheapest animation I have ever seen in my life. Oh my god, it looks so bad. Now the caveat like, to this is well, that the, char- the character animations are pretty dang good. The character, the character models are really good and like iconic looking, and the character animations are are solid. Like clearly, they spend a lot of their time like working on the choreography because. You know, it's a show about Jackie Chan, fictionalized Jackie Chan, but Jackie Chan nonetheless, so obviously it has to be. Um, but the background's just god-awful. And even though the characters' animations, like, look good, still when you see, like, like more close-up or static shots of the characters, you're still like, Jesus Christ, they spent no money on this. And I, the backgrounds look like... Okay, so there's a point where something can look disheveled almost like it was drawn by a child as an artistic like statement as a, as a style and this goes mm-hmm. past that into yeah. coloring outside of the lines in a not creative way objects yeah it's like they're trying to cover up it being cheap by doing that almost everything is flat and aside from times where Jackie is moving around doing cool kung fu moves in the environment. The environment is super static. Um, the only place where this kind of isn't the case is an uncle shop. But even then, once you step outside, it's it's just really like I don't think 
the animators are to blame. It just no, looks I like think that's that the network spent Monopoly money on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's... I, I could be wrong, but all of their investment went to animating the choreography. And every, For sure. And everything else just kind of fell by the wayside. Well, and part of the reason that the character animation looks really good is because, like, the main character animator of the show is, like, really the the name that you think of associated with this show that matters. Like he's credited as a director really often and his name gets like a big place in title cards and it's Jeff Matsuda. Um, and part of the reason he did a good job and something that's really interesting about Jeff Matsuda is that he has done a lot of work with cartoons, but he came from a comics background. He originally worked for image comics. He was discovered and brought into the industry by Rob Liefeld who created Deadpool. So Jackie Chan Adventures is like four degrees of Kevin Bacon away from Deadpool. Jackie Chan Adventures. I'm debating whether we should start abbreviating it JCA. And I, that just sounds kind of silly. Um, but Jackie Chan Adventures, aside from the music is pretty solid. I, I, I don't think it's the best music that we've heard. But compared to the animation, it's really good. Yeah. The intro it's... always slaps, and, and the music is diverse enough, and I don't think they repeat too much of it, actually, to be honest. I think... No, yeah. It effectively... It's it's music of the sense that, like, it's not so good that I'm watching the show and I'm like, wow, this music is, like, they're doing a great job, but it's good enough that they are like effectively creating the moods that they want to, you know, with the music. Now, as for uh, the cast of the show, Jackie Chan is not voiced by Jackie Chan. Uh, I, I feel like I, I remember Jackie Chan saying they always do these 20 second segments at the end of every show where they pretend to read a child's question to Jackie Chan about something. It's like, have you ever met anybody famous, Jackie Chan? Like, kids hey, are so stupid. Kids are so stupid. Um, uh, and, and that's he, a literal question a child asked Jackie Chan. Is and, and Jackie Chan goes on to name some famous people as if he's not famous. Including Sidney Poitier, whom none of the children watching that show would have known who he was at all. I don't... Why Why Sidney Poitier, Jackie? <laughs> why that one? I recall Jackie Chan saying something about... Um, he wanted to make sure that the character spoke well. That uh, mm -hmm. the character of Jackie Chan spoke in a way... You know, that communicated his heritage, but also with a very clear accent. Um, mm hmm and so I think that's exactly what they got. They got a voice actor who has an accent, but also speaks very clearly. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of the same way with um, with Uncle, who speaks in a uh, exaggerated, like stereotypical Cantonese drawl. Um, but what's interesting is that Jade, who is supposed to arrive to the United States from Hong Kong, um, in the very first episode, she speaks like perfect, f fluent English with an American accent. Yeah, and James, oh my gosh, my gosh. C, it's S I E. I think that's probably C. 
or like maybe like see or something that we would have a hard time pronouncing as speakers of English? Uh, was was the voice of Jackie Chan and was always the voice of Jackie Chan in JCA. Uh, whereas Jade is voiced by Stacy Chan, who no relation, I think. Yeah, no, no relation, and is an American actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we've got Jackie Chan, Uncle Jackie has a, a niece named Jade. Jade is from Hong Kong, and she comes to live with Jackie in America for reasons. Um. She's doing poorly in Hong Kong. I think she's like. She's acting, acting out. Yeah, they would probably consider her a delinquent, which she very much is and keeps <laughs> on being. Um, then we have Uncle. So Jackie, Jackie's uncle. And Uncle is Jade's cousin. Maybe. It's unclear. They like kind of make a joke about it, how it's like. Jackie might not even actually be her uncle in like the American sense either. She he's like cousins with her dad. Um, they make a joke when you meet her parents. She because they call uncle uncle and he's she's like is he everyone's uncle? And they're like I he's our cousin, right? Um, I cannot find who voiced uncle Uncle Chan. Oh. I I have it. Just give me one second. Was it Sab Shimano? Yes. Okay, so um, Sab Shimano voiced Uncle Chan, who gives an amazing performance consistently. Um, yeah, Uncle, he's incredible. He's the heart and soul of the show. Uncle is... Without Uncle, the show would not be nearly as funny as it is. Um, it's really a good take on crotchety old wise man um but definitely lots of catchphrases including his his signature chant and we're gonna we're gonna do this correctly here okay. which in cantonese <laughs> in cantonese means ghosts and goblins quickly leave Oh, I saw a translation that said it meant evil spirits be gone. I've, I've seen that one, too. Um, I think the one I just re- read is a literal translation where the one you did is a poetic translation. If I, if that I'm makes reading sense. This correctly. So th- this is something that a lot of the characters end up using, particularly uh, Toru, who has a really interesting character arc in the show. Uh-huh. But yeah, you mo gui gui fai zitao. And they do it really fast. They do it really fast sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then aside from Uncle Chan, we have um, people from a secret organization called Section 13. Um, they end up really not being that important. They end up, really, no. Like, Captain Black's around, basically. They end up being a plot device to get them free travel across the globe. That's like their primary <laughs> reason for existing. Um, and then we've got the bad guys. So yeah. The, in the first two seasons, in order of importance, we go, um, let's do humans first. So Val- okay, I was about to say. <laughs> Valmont. Valmont. 
And they say Mont, but I guarantee you it's Balmont. Um, <laughs> with the silent T. This this guy is, you know, suave English criminals. He supposedly runs the most secret and developed and widespread criminal syndicate in the world, which you'll later come to understand makes absolutely no fucking sense. Completely um, incompetent. Completely incompetent and only has four enforcers to do his job yeah. for him. Um, but, you know, he has beautiful, long, white hair and he speaks with a posh accent, you know, and wears a loud green suit. And then we've got um, Ratso, Finn, and Chow, who are three dudes. They have their yeah. own distinct personalities and you come to understand them. But aside mm. from comic relief, they don't really exist. And to be the like the punching bags for Jackie Chan over yeah. and over and over. They don't really do much. Yeah. And um, just one thing I want to say about that. They each have their own little personalities and they're kind of, they're all kind of lovable. Honestly, you come to really like them at least by the end of the second season. Um, I would like to say that Chow is voiced also by James C who voices Jackie. Um, but he's, you know, he's doing something a little more high-pitched, and it's in an American accent. And Finn is voiced by Adam Baldwin. I'm pretty sure, like, the Adam Baldwin. Remind me. Of the Baldwin, uh, oh, a lesser the Bal Baldwin brother. Okay, a lesser, <laughs> uh, a minor Baldwin artifact. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Toru, who starts out as working for the Dark Hand. Um, eventually, at the end of season two, or one, he somehow gets, like, de facto adopted by the Chan clan and works in Uncle's shop and is learning to become a chi wizard. And it's, it, it, it kind of happens abruptly, but it's, you kind of watch him go from this big intimidating dude on the enemy side to a loyal, steadfast, integral member of Team Jackie Chan, the J-Team. Yeah. And he's so lovable, and he has a really good relationship with Jade. Yeah, big brother sort of relationship. Like a very, very positive role model. Uh, his, mother, yeah. his mother is great. Uh, oh my too. god, his mom is such like a stereotype though. <laughs> she is a total tiger mom. Yeah, no, very true. Very very true. And she's Japanese. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I have never I, 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 not that they don't exist, but I have never seen a Japanese woman act like she does. Oh like, yeah, I've never seen that in real life. But you know, there's the stereotype about like the tiger mom, which is really more of a Chinese stereotype, but like it gets applied to a, like different Asian cultures, like the tiger mom, you know, the difficult to satisfy, like nagging, harsh. Um, but the fact that she is like that, though, I think sets up a really good um, dynamic between her and uncle because she's really grouchy and difficult to deal with. And he's really grouchy and difficult to deal with. And they butt heads and it's really fun. <laughs> and they uh, keep preparing to fight 
you know, you would assume that she does, I don't know, like karate or some other form of Japanese martial art, whereas Uncle does kung fu and she's making, you know, he's making some classic like, ooh, sounds and she's going, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> which is pretty, and everyone's all in uh, Jackie and Toru are having to like pick up vases that are getting knocked all over the place because they're trying to fight each other. Well, and they get in like a, just a straight up slap fight, not even anything very advanced. They just slap each other in the face multiple times because, you know, Uncle has that great, like, two-finger slap in the nose that he's doing to people all the time, um, which it's not good to hit people, folks, but it's One it's really funny. thing! <laughs> he just slaps him in the face with two fingers right in the nose. Um, but I think Tora's a really great character. Like I said, he has a really great relationship with Jade. He's really lovable. He's truly a mountain of a man, but once he becomes a good guy, he's very like gentle though it seems that Toru has issues with self-esteem because he was he left the dark hand because he wasn't appreciated and he's struggling with having you know disappointed his mom and in the beginning when he's being asked to do cheese stuff he's like I can't you know do that but actually he's a great apprentice Toru's Toru's a great character really love Toru in season three which I got I got further than you um, mm-hmm. In season three, there's a really great episode where his mother, where he and his mother actually, like, he gets the recognition that he deserves from her. Oh, that's good. Toru deserves kind of, that. It get worked. It gets worked out. That's good. I'm glad for Toru. Though something I do want to mention is that Toru is voiced by Noah Nelson. Um, so our other three main character, our four main main characters are all Asian people. Three of them are Chinese. One of them is Japanese. Um, and we have a couple of minor characters who are Asian people as well. Um, but so far as I know, there are only two Asian characters who are voiced by white people and not actual Asian people, um, which is actually great. That's fantastic. That um, And there are you know a lot of other Asian people who are working and making the show. I know that's that it's primarily a show about Chinese culture and that Chinese and Asian are not substitutes for one another, but it's still great with how few roles there are for Asian people in Hollywood that they weren't giving like all of these roles of people who are on screen, Asian of some sort to white people. Um, but yeah, so Toru is, is he's supposed to be Japanese and he's voiced by Noah Nelson and then Hak Fu is voiced by Jim Cummings and John DiMaggio. Um, so he's also voiced by two different white guys. Do you want to talk about Hak Fu? Yes, I do want to talk about Hak Fu. So Hak Fu is great. He he is actually the beginning of Toru leaving the Dark Hand because Velmont's all like, uh, Toru, you're the only vaguely competent one of my enforcers, but I'm going to blame all of our failures on you, and I'm going to bring in a contractor to replace you. And then Hak Fu shows up, and he's this big hulking man with, like, huge, like, huge shoulders and chest and, like, a tiny little waist and butt, um, you know, big on the top, tiny on the bottom, and he has this weird spiky red hair, and he is, like, very cold and serious, and he likes to yell his attacks when he fights. He'll yell things like, Angry Crow takes flight! Um, and I haven't read anything that says this, but I see Hak Fu as an homage to old school, what I like to call beefma anime. So beefy yelling fight man anime. Uh, so things like <laughs> Fist of the Fist of the North Star. Uh, you know, I think that Hak Fu 
it's, he seems to me to be an homage to those kinds of shows and those kinds of characters. For those of you who are unaware, uh, the anime that Paige just referenced spawned the meme Omaiwa Mo Shinderu. Um, you are already dead. Uh, <laughs> and um, those animes continue to this day. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure would count as a beefma. Yeah, the best beef mo, really. (laughs) Go, 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 go. Um, (laughs) We'll we'll cover JoJo's at some point, for sure. I really want to. Oh, God. Do we have the, like, wherewithal? The fortitude. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see, what else? The show's premise involves magic, particularly magic centered around... um, Chinese demon sorcerers. Okay. Yeah. Demon sorcerers are really the sort of nexus point for everything that follows, but at least for the first two seasons, apparently it changes for season three through five in season three. The conflict is because of a dark wizard, but he's trying to get the talisman. So again, it's still the primary. Yeah. It's still back to talisman. So uh, the first season Involves globe trotting around the world to get these magic talismans to prevent um, this evil dragon wizard from Shindu. Yeah, Shindu from getting their powers and being reincarnated out of this statue, and he's got Valmont doing his dirty work for him. And this is where Valmont's status as a syndicate boss really comes into question because number one. He has four people working for him. And he works at a fish cannery. Was it always the fish? I think that it only became the fish cannery in season two. In season one, they had like a nice like place in the hotel they were working out of, but it got destroyed by Shandu when he was eventually reincarnated and he just wrecked the whole place. He never hires assassins, squat teams, he never hires anybody. They could so easily kill Jackie Chan and his entire family if they were truly members <laughs> of an international syndicate. They and just send he just sends his like bumbling enforcers over to Uncle's shop periodically. And they just go in there like, hey, and then Jackie Chan beats their ass and they leave. <laughs> and Jackie Chan is his job isn't even like a martial arts master. He's a fucking archaeologist. It's um, extreme Indiana Jones vibes. And he, you know, he goes, he goes through all these dangerous things. And Jackie Chan is the best martial artist in the entire show because Jackie Chan just is. Yeah. And then yeah, we, because he's Jackie Chan. Because he's Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan is like a good person. He's like mm-hmm. good person, sta- like standard good person. Um, tries to teach a lot of lessons about um, stability, responsibility, you know, the the best battle is the battle fought with him. Yeah, I think that a lot of that jade is really used as a vehicle for the moral lessons of the show because it seems like they were like, well, we want to make this like fun show that's just mostly about like fighting and magic. Like, honestly, there's not a ton of substance to the show, but they seem to feel like they need to have some substance. So usually jade is learning some kind of moral lesson. Yeah, her raison d'etre is... Definitely moral, moral fortitude. Disney mm-hmm. just couldn't. Well, it was the WB, man. I know, but 
I don't. They they showed it on Disney at some point. Um, they did. They just had to have. They just had to have morals attached to it. And Jade is interesting because um, number one. As a kid, you're like, yeah, she's sneaking out all the time and joining them on these dangerous missions. And Jackie's always like, go home and do your homework. And we're all like, no, fuck you, Jackie. But as an adult, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, kid. Yeah. She's constantly pissed off because adults are treating her the way that a responsible adult treats a child in their care. Like, Jackie is not irresponsible. And at some point, Jackie just gives up. Um I think a conversation between him and uncle goes something like this. Uh, uncle says something like, isn't she supposed to be, or Jackie's like, she's supposed to be home. And the person Jackie's talking to goes, but you know, that never works. Right. And Jackie goes, yeah, but I feel like I need to say it. <laughs> like he admits that she's never going to listen, but he needs to like have a modicum of a belief that he's tried to prevent her from joining them on their adventure. And oh, usually man. she's not a liability. Sometimes she's a liability, but a lot of times her presence unexpectedly saves the day. Yeah, she like, there's a kind of an ongoing joke in season two where they're like, how do you do that? Because she's always like right in the right place at the right time. And I think that I read something that says that there's an episode in season three, I think the episode where they introduced the major villain of season three that implies that she's, like, the chosen one of some, like, order of monks. Huh. See, I don't... It, it, I could have spaced out, but I do not recall that. I'll have to go Yeah, back it's, like, look. Ben Shui monks or something, and apparently it implies that she's, like, their chosen one or something. She does get confused uh, for a princess by the, the god Quetzalcoatl. Oh. Neato. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's a whole episode. Um, the rat talisman animates a silver statue of Quetzalcoatl. And, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> the, the first season, they're running around the globe, getting these talismans, messing with their powers. Like, it's a, it's a romp. It's a lot of fun. Oh, just so you know, like, for the record, the talismans, there are 12 talismans, and they correspond to the signs of the Chinese zodiac. If you could have a talisman, which one would you take? Oh, shit. It's hard for me to remember what, like, the different talismans do. Um, let's see. What's... Rooster is... Flight. Speed. Le Rooster's levitation. Yes. Rooster's levitation. Cox they repeatedly remind you that uh, levitation plus speed equals flight. Would you... In you the want, show. You want the floating cock? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't want strength, and I don't want, like... The ability to like animate things that are not animated. So you don't want um, the you don't want the ox or the, or the rat, rat, respectively. Um, what's the snake do again? Well, okay, but does this change your mind about the rat? The animated object takes on the personality, powers, and abilities of the person or thing it's modeled after. So the god Quetzalcoatl, the sun god, actually had flight and fireballs and all sorts of magic abilities. So the rat hmm. talisman could animate a statue of God himself. <laughs> okay, so it's like, you know, you could like 
get a statue. You know, you could you could animate like a Batman action figure, and it would be like you know a tiny Batman. Yes, basically, exactly. solve tiny crimes. <laughs> Who stole my marshmallows? <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. That's pretty neat. Then. Okay. Maybe the, the rat talisman might be cool to have. You could just animate like fun little, you know, like toys and stuff, and like hang out with them. Have them do tiny superpowers and stuff. I think the you know. least useful ability in the show is astral projection, but I think in life, that could actually be one of the cooler ones. Yeah, everyone actually jokes in the show about how astral projection is, like, bullshit. And, and when you think about it, you're like, wait, you could fly anywhere. Do go? You could go to the fucking moon. They do go to the moon at some point, not well, using astral projection. The show kind of jumped the shark for me there, honestly, when they went to the moon. Um, so I, I feel like the sheep talisman to anybody with an adventurous spirit could actually be, be like, super useful. Yeah, I mean, just to look at like, you can't really, like, materially affect things with the sheep well, talisman. you could go there. And you could, you go, could just go look around, yeah. You could go into people's dreams, too. Yeah. I don't know that I would want to go into other people's dreams, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of seems like an invasion. Of it really does. Or, yeah, for well, sure. Having the horse would be cool. You know, healing and recovery, go heal some people. Yeah, or just, like, make sure, you know, just make sure you feel safe all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. There are a lot of very interesting ones that you can choose from. Yeah. But, Definitely. um... So the... After the first season is the second season, which we both have had a chance to watch, which is where um, Shendu is defeated, but we find out that he's got seven brothers and sisters living in this mirror zone type realm where they were trapped by ancient chi wizards. And basically the, the arc is about chasing these demons down because they each get let out one at a time by Thelmach and his team. Yeah, the reason that, um, like, so Shendu gets sent back to demon the demon dimension as a spirit, and all his brothers and sisters are like, we're going to subject you to eternal tor- torment because you didn't do anything to help us. And he's like, wait, no, I'm totally, totally going to help you. And they're like, fine, go back to Earth, and we're going to join you with the body of your chosen person. He's like... All right, the best person to do this task, my nemesis, Jackie Chan. And he accidentally goes into Valmont's body, and neither Valmont nor Shendu are happy about this fact at all. Shendu possesses Valmont, too. Yeah. Um, also, Jade is the one that makes all this happen because Jade fucks up, and it's a great moment to let Uncle teach a lesson about power vacuums. Because at the end of season one, Shendu is trapped back into a statue, and Jade has the grand idea using the dragon talisman, which is fire, like combustion, to blow up the statue to kill him. <laughs> and she creates spirit Shendu who can do all this crap. Uh-huh. So, yeah, not very good. Yeah, and you know, Uncle tells her, like, why did you do that? Like, I know I said to put him back in the statue. No one said anything about destroying the statue. You know, you've created a power vacuum in which the evil that we know and have contained can be uh, replaced 
by an even greater, you know, more powerful evil. One more thing. So, yeah. Uncle. No, wait. What are, so the, I have seen also season three, and I can tell you that they're like, it's still good. It still actually has some really great moments, but they kind of start to do a bunch of different stuff, very different from the original two seasons. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, there's still some great points. Don't get me wrong. But uh, aside from that, let's see, what do we want to talk about? What's your take on its representation of Chinese culture? I think that it is... There's some stuff that I see in there, and I'm like, hmm, I feel like this is, like, low-key Orientalist. But I'm really not sure. And I... The fact that, again, so many, like, actual Chinese people are involved in the making of the show makes me feel a little bit better about it. Um... But, like, I do think that there is, like, a degree of, like, you know, it's cool that they're teaching kids some things about Chinese culture, you know, about, like, what Chinese New Year is and, like, what the Chinese Zodiac is. But, like, you know, they're like, oh, qi equals magic. Like, people who do things with qi, like, they're wizards and it's magic. And that's, like, not really the case, you know. Like, it's that sort of ascribing of, like, this sort of, like, mysticism to Chinese culture. Um. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing about Western stuff and, like, mana. It's like, I, I, I guess to me, this was one of my first exposures to a lot of ideas. Um, it was my first exposure as a kid to any sort of philosophy based, mm. like, and, and like, whiz, sort of uh, conventional wisdom based in a, in, in, like, a Chinese perspective. And I... I would have a, a, a harder time feeling okay about it if, as you said, so many people, including Jackie Chan, weren't a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt like it was being done exploitatively. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think really any of it is being, like, exploitative, per se. I don't, I didn't watch it and think like, oh, this is racist or, oh, this is exploitative or anything. And the times where I did kind of feel like maybe it was being a little bit orientalist, maybe, again, I felt better because people like Jackie Chan were involved in making it. And I felt like, you know, if they felt strongly that something wasn't appropriate or that something was being racist or orientalist, that they would have said something, you know, because it's like his name was on the show. You know, he clearly had some kind of like, like pull with it. And if we know anything about Jackie Chan, it's that he's very he manages his brand very like intensively. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, for the most part like I felt good about it. Um I will say that I think that Jade seems super duper americanized to me to the point where lots of things that I read about her as a character mention that she's already americanized. When she shows up, like, despite the fact that, like, and I know that, like, Hong Kong is a pretty westernized place, but she shows up and she just seems completely comfortable with American culture and all of its ins and outs, like she's lived there her whole life. And that part, I I feel like that part was done, not, I don't want to say for the benefit of the viewers, but if they, it gave them immediately somebody to sort of bridge the gap and to identify with. 
as the show started kicking off. Like, as Jade is getting involved in all these adventures and she's having regular school problems, and so kids her age can identify with her very quickly. Whereas <coughs> if they had showed a more realistic transition, that might have been harder. I think it would have been better, but I, I, I'm not saying they did the right thing on that. I actually would have liked to see them do it differently. But I think that was their motivation for Americanizing her so abruptly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think you notice that um, the way that they behave as a family, particularly Jade with her parents, you, you were noticing seemed somewhat Americanized to you as well. I now I'm having trouble remembering exactly what I said, but it was regarding outward displays of affection. Yeah, I think it's when Jade unexpectedly comes home to Hong Kong and sees her parents is probably what you were talking about, because they all throw themselves into a big group hug immediately. And I'm not like we're not trying to say in any way that Chinese people do not like hug their children or something. But outward displays of physical affection are not like the cultural norm for how parents and children display their love for one another, um, at least historically in China. Right. And again, the, 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 I just noticed that I was like, wow, this on top of if, if we hadn't talked about Jade's Americanization and other aspects, I don't think I would have noticed it. But it stuck out because I was already looking for other evidence of this thing. And this was just one more thing that popped out and told me, yep, they have, she's Chinese, but she kind of is also an American. Yeah, for sure. Or like the episode where sort of the backdrop of the episode is that it's Chinese New Year. On the one hand, cool, awesome. They're teaching American kids about Chinese New Year. But Jade refers to it as Chinese New Year like five times in the episode, well after it's established that it's Chinese New Year. And while I understand that, at the very least for business purposes in China, like the Gregorian calendar is being used, like, I don't think that most people in China are like referring to it as Chinese New Year in their daily speech. And it's it only stood out to me because at one point something happens and she's like, Chinese New Year is awesome. And it's like, that sounds like she's not familiar with it when she's nine years old and only came to America like six months ago and would have been celebrating Chinese New Year her whole life. So that part felt a little bit weird. Aside from that, Uncle... Uncle is old-fashioned, but not... He's clearly lived in the United States for a longer period of time, and so his changes make sense to some mm -hmm. degree. But... but uh, uncle is uncle. He he is bossy. He is wise. He's funny. He's bossy. He's I I. He's a great character. He says so many funny things. Yeah, and he's fun. He always saves the day with his chi magic. Yeah, and he has a lot of fun catchphrases. You know, like. Your standard, ah, that's fun. Hot tea. Uh, he's always saying, which Chris discovered literally just means hot tea. So he's just yelling hot tea all the time. Often, when tea is delivered to him, he simply comments, hot cha. It is fun to watch him fight. He does know kung fu 
arguably as well as Jackie. He's just older. And he does the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, so he he definitely, um, instead of the brute force approach that Jackie takes, oftentimes will use pressure point attacks instead to close the gap between his age and the age of his opponents. Mm-hmm. But no, he literally, like, there's times where we see him do, like, the Vulcan nerve pinch, like, the, the shoulder Vulcan nerve pinch thing, which is not, like a real pressure point technique. Um, so that's just a funny little thing that's in there. Um, and of course, you know, uh, in terms of his catchphrases, just got to get one more in there. Uh, one more thing. One which he, more thing. He normally says one more thing like six times in a row. <laughs> Usually to the consternation of Jackie. Yeah, for sure. The funniest time to me was when he was in, he was gathering cheese bell ingredients in San Francisco and he was in some like shop in Chinatown and he was just saying one more thing before, be, before each item on his list. And the shopkeeper was totally just like, okay, okay, okay. Going okay. with it. Yeah, you can Until he me. asked for castanets. Uh, and then, oh, the Jade team. The, so there's um, some supporting cast to this, the J team. Mm-hmm. During their original talisman hunt, they encounter a criminal named Viper and a Mexican wrestler named Toro. And eventually these people make returns and help them out from time to time. And one of the funniest parts is when Jade gets into a fight with... Uh, there's a little boy that follows Toro around. His name's Paco. As his sort of cheerleader role model he's you know the jade to his jackie and jade and paco always fight about who's best and they always get into this jackie el toro jackie el toro jackie el toro and it's always very entertaining Mm -hmm. for sure yeah um so that's fun like the jade team is fun uh i think they show up a lot more in filler episodes which, for the record, uh, season two has a shitload of filler episodes. Like, every other season is, like, a normal length season. But season two has 39 episodes, but still only 13 plot episodes. So we kind of skipped a lot of those filler episodes. But I watched a couple. There's one where El Toro and Paco call Jackie and Jade to come help them because El Chupacabra is wreaking havoc where they are and they need help to deal with it. I think it's best to watch the show without the filler and keep it mm-hmm. plot, like keep it about the main plots. I think it never feels tedious that way. I agree, yeah. As for, so far we've mostly talked about the show descriptively, and aside from talking about the cultural aspects, we haven't said much about our own perspectives and to be honest, like Doug, in a way, there's just not much for me to say. I it, I it don't really, have a lot. Me neither. It really, the show is very fun and it's very entertaining and it's teaching like little tiny moral lessons and, you know, a little bit about other cultures, but it really does not have a lot of substance. Um, what substance there is, is completely unobjectionable to me. Um, Jackie and uncle try and treat Jade like 
child, you know, try and get her to be safe, try and get her to do her homework and behave well, try and teach her basic things like you shouldn't seek out fights, you know, uh, you should avoid conflict when you can, um, you should be honest with people, you should be kind to people, those kinds of, you know, you need balance in your life, just really basic, unobjectionable moral lessons. Um, there's very, aside from the fact that there, is, there are apparently multiple secret government agencies with seemingly infinite and inexhaustible resources, um, there's not a lot of, like, political content to the show at all. It's just so, so straightforwardly an adventure show that it's hard to really pull much of that out. And as far as psychological stuff goes, I mean, I could say some stuff about Jackie Chan, like them raising sort of a non-traditional family mm-hmm. where it's like Jackie and his niece and their elderly uncle and male, like male role model stuff. In that respect, it's kind of not anti-nuclear family, but it's alternative family, which is good. I always like those depictions. Yeah, and our heroes are not toxically masculine, which is nice. They're, like, healthy examples of masculinity. Yeah, wisdom, patience, uh, compassion, duty, loyalty, dedication, dedication, uh, only fight when you have to, that sort of thing. So in that respect, that's good. We don't always get that. We don't always get that. for example, Jackie Chan is a better role model than any male role model in the Rugrats, just to pull a random comparison out of my butt. Yeah, but they're all a bunch of fail dads. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Very true. <laughs> so aside from that, it's just, it's so plot driven that it's a lot of fun. I, 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 I had a lot of fun watching it, whereas originally I was worried it might be tedious because we're about to do... Another series we are both very excited for, but in all all honesty, if you're looking for something laid back and and fun and with some decent fighting, this is a fun show to watch. Yeah, it's it's a really fantastic show to have on if you're just like, you know, if you're cleaning the house or if like you had a bad day and you don't really want to think about anything, it's a great show for those kinds. Not that it's also fun to sit and watch, but it's also just a great, you know, it's the um, popcorn of shows. And it's delicious buttery popcorn, not very crappy popcorn. Yeah, it's good popcorn. Good popcorn. <laughs> Kettle corn, my favorite kind of popcorn. Yeah, I mean, like, that's mostly what I have to say. Like, I don't think, like, I'm upset that they don't question the fact that there is a giant government organization that's completely secret and has so much money that they're spending on um, magic. Um, (laughs) Though apparently they don't like to acknowledge that it's magic. In effect, when Captain Black starts to notice it, uh, he gets subjected to a psych evaluation. And it's actually really funny. They're showing him, like, Rorschach tests. And he's like, demon, demon. Really big demon wearing a pair of socks. <laughs> like, um, that's a pretty funny little B-plot in one episode. But, uh, yeah, there's, like, not, you know, not anything I find, like, politically super objectionable. Not any, like, weird psychological themes that I noticed. Just straightforward, wholesome fun. Which, perhaps that was by design. Perhaps Jackie Chan was like, make the show pleasant. 
that's like his whole brand is straightforward, wholesome fun. So he probably did. He was like, it has to be straightforward, wholesome fun. That's the Jackie Chan brand, the Chan brand, the Chand, if you will. Um, oh, shit. Okay, one more thing that I have to mention. I tweeted it. But okay, so the first, se- the first season of the show has an ending theme song. It's called Chan's the Man. It's a terrible song, but it's very catchy. It's like, Jackie Chan, where's the talisman? And it was performed by Wheatus <laughs> of Teenage Dirtbag fame. And I cannot fucking get over that. <laughs> Did you just say Weenus? No, Wheatus. Wheatus. The guys who were like, I'm just a teenage dirtbag. That, uh, that band. <laughs> okay. They performed Chance the Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which so, is great. It's so 2000. Like, it's so 2000 to have it an really ending, is. Like, a band sing your ending theme in, like, pop, pop style. Yeah, it's dope. Okay, but I do think the final question, the final question, Chris, of this show, we have some options here. Is Jackie Chan good at his job, given that he found all those talismans and, you know, manages to beat people up? Is he bad at his job because he can never forget prevent his knees from coming along and does not prevent a single demon portal from being opened? Or is he simply a man doing the best that he can and trying to protect his family? I think he's good at his job. Not good at archaeology because he ends up <laughs> destroying, by accident, he ends up destroying a lot of archaeology. And truthfully, it's not his fault because he's always being chased by people who don't give a shit about archaeology. But yeah. He he manages to when even when they are at a disadvantage, they don't have the Shadow Khan, which is a group of shadow ninjas. They don't have Valmont's resources. They don't like they they're always at a disadvantage and yet they still manage to foil their plans at every turn, usually before shit has hit the fan. The only demon that lasted longer than 10 minutes against Jackie Chan was the last one. And that was she was be- cool as hell, by the way. And that was because she could go in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you're probably, I think he's at least decent at his job. And you Jade know, he- is blessed. How, how, can, how can you expect a mere mortal like Jackie Chan to fight against a blessed individual? <laughs> no one could stop Jade, not even God himself. Exactly. Could stop Jade from doing what she wanted to do. I mean, the, like the whole world gets like a whole alternate timeline happens and she just puts it to rights through sheer force of will. She goes all around the world and collects her friends from like demon rulership and takes them to Australia and get thing gets things put to rights. Like she's powerful. Jade is powerful. Maybe it's really Jade who fixes everything and not Jackie. He just runs interference. Those episodes further prove that nothing good comes out of Australia. Yeah. Why would there be why would there be a book of ages? Why would there be a book where history is magically written and that you can just change it and ruin everything? Well, okay, but that goes back to the legend of the Akashic Records, which is like a mythology connected to the idea that everything in the world is recorded somewhere. Oh, I don't know anything about this. Oh. Yeah, do some research about the Akashic Records. I don't remember the culture that spawned the idea, but I know it's a not th- that those kind of ideas are not only in one culture, 
but the Akashic records are specifically. Um, I'm gonna have sounds maybe Persian, maybe. Just based on the sound of the word. Let's see here. We're, 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 let's see here, y'all. Sanskrit. Okay. Akasha yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so, the yeah, Sanskrit okay. word for aether. All right. Well, there oh, you go. Hold on. I don't know if Wikipedia is going to give me what I want. They are believed by theosophists. Oh my god. Yes. Never mind. The the Akashic records are apparently related to like some weird esoteric modern religious that's so weird. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, um aside from that little uh, jaunt. <laughs> that little jaunt. In which I discover I know nothing, once again. <laughs> we are at the end of what we're calling season one. Yeah. Jackie when can we, go watch it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a really enjoyable show. But, uh, you know, when we first started the show, we decided that to get our start going, we were going to cover a big three from each of the big four. You know, we talked about this last time. And we've done it. We've wrapped it up. Um, so we're calling that the end of season, season one, but never fear. We're not going on another like hiatus right now. Um, we will be back soon, soon with the first episode of season two. We're not going to tell you what we're doing yet. Um, but we think that you will be very excited about it. Wait, we're not, we're not even telling them now. No, we're not telling them. I'm not telling them until like, we're about to release it. You can tell I want it to that, be a surprise. You can tell that both of us are on different pages about this. <laughs> I really want it to be a secret, and Chris doesn't want it to be a secret, but I think it'll be more fun if it's a secret. Let us know on Facebook if you think it will be more fun if it's a secret or not. And if you're all mad and you want to know what we're going to do, then we'll tell you. But if you think it'll be more fun as a secret, then we won't tell you. If you vote for no secret, I will give you candy. <laughs> Chris is Chris is just so excited about it that he wants to like tell the world. I will mail you candy. I shit you not. <laughs> is this painful for you, Chris? Asterisk. This is not a legally binding promise. <laughs> you have to send a like a shipping and handling fee yeah, with no, your with your no secret vote to next, get the candy. Next, I I. Watch month passes and somebody's lawyer calls me up and is like, where's this fucking candy, man? Um, <laughs> but that's the end of what we're calling season one. It's been almost two years now. No, it's only been like a year. It's been just over a year. We started it in like the like the last week of January last year. No. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. You're right. Yeah, there we go. Wow. It's been just over a year. It would have been really great if, um, you know, like, I think, like, there was so there were some problems. There were Christmas holidays that were, like, keeping us out. And I, like, I think I got sick at some point, And that prevented us from, I really would have loved it if we had been able to wrap up, like, season season one, like, right at a year. That didn't happen. So we're just a little. <laughs> Too ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> Too ambitious. Um, we, went a, we went a little bit over. But, um 
we're going to keep doing the show. We're, we're coming back at you with season two, and I'm really excited to do it. And thank you so much for listening to it because we've been having a lot of fun making it. And the fact that there are a few of you who are having fun listening to it, uh, you know, makes us makes us want to keep doing it. Well, aside from that, Jackie Chan has been fun, and uh, mm-hmm. we will be following no scheme as we go forward. Yeah, it's just whatever we feel like. It's going to be completely random. Which means that you can always request things. Now That, that does not, not mean that we're going to do it, but you can request things. Yeah, you can request things, which is like saying you can shout at the moon to come visit. <laughs> Except our proposition Basically, is more likely. If if you request something and we go, oh, yeah, 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 then we'll probably do it. Um, but if you request something and we're like, no, I don't want to do that, um, then we won't. But the thing is, most of the time, if you request things and we don't do them immediately, it's because we're planning on doing them and just haven't gotten there yet, you know? Exciting. Exciting stuff. Yeah. This has been... NPR. No. Not the NPR voice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Chris. And I'm Paige. And this, this has been... You do it. I finally get to do it. This has been Animates. Yeah! <laughs> um, as usual, please uh, follow us on Facebook, Animates Podcast, on Twitter at Animates. You can email us, animates at gmail.com with the numeral eight. And as always, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It will really help others find the show.